chapter sixteen of dr quintard chaplain c s a and second bishop of tennessee by charles todd quintard this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter sixteen bishop quintard and sewanee the enthusiasm with which bishop quintard immediately after his consecration took up and pushed forward whatever promised to be of spiritual benefit to the people of the south was characteristic of the man especially attractive to him was the scheme set forth in the address by bishop polk to the bishops of the southern diocese published in eighteen fifty six emphasizing the importance of building up an educational institution upon broad foundations for the promotion of social order civil justice and christian truth to be centrally located within the southern states the scheme had been formulated and developed by its projector and originator bishop polk and the university of the south was duly organized in eighteen fifty seven a liberal charter was secured from the state of tennessee title was acquired to a domain of nearly ten thousand acres of land upon the top of sewanee mountain the cornerstone of a main college building was laid and pledges of an endowment amounting to half a million of dollars were obtained before the war broke out in the fall of eighteen sixty five before his election to the episcopate dr quintard met upon a train between nashville and columbia the rev david pease a prominent presbyter of the diocese of tennessee and secretary of the board of trustees of the university of the south as it was organized before the war on the same train was major george r fairbanks of florida a lay trustee on said board the conversation of these three gentlemen was upon the proposed university the magnificent domain secured for that institution it was asserted would revert to its donors unless the proposed university were in operation within ten years of the date of the donation that is in eighteen sixty eight dr quintard pledged himself not only to save the domain but to revive the scheme for the university and to establish such an institution of learning as bishop polk bishop o t and others had in view when the university of the south was organized in eighteen fifty seven the day that he took his seat for the first time in the house of bishops dr quintard entered into correspondence with the rev john austin merrick d d a man of godly and sound learning and offered to meet him in winchester tennessee on a specified day to go with him to sewanee and see what might be done toward carrying out the educational enterprise which was intended to mean so much to the southern people and which meant all the more to them in the condition in which the the war had left them the way for such a movement had been prepared at the special convention of the diocese of tennessee at which dr quintard had been elected bishop reviving a measure that had evidently been adopted in eighteen sixty one at the last convention over which bishop oti had presided the journal of this convention was lost in the printing office to which it was committed for publication the special convention of eighteen sixty five appointed a committee to take measures for establishing with the concurrence of the executive committee of the board of trustees of the university a diocesan training and theological school upon the university domain 
dr quintard as bishop-elect had made sure that the war had not impaired the charter nor up to that time the title to the domain even though it had swept away the endowment and though soldiers of both armies marching over the mountain and encamping about the spot had amused themselves by blowing up the cornerstone laid in eighteen sixty and making out of the fragments trinkets for their sweethearts in the course of his first series of visitations throughout his immense diocese in march eighteen sixty six bishop quintard arrived in winchester and there met the rev dr merrick the rev thomas a morris rector of the church in winchester and major george r fairbanks accompanied by these gentlemen he ascended the mountain visited university place sawanee and found shelter and a most cordial hospitality in a log cabin occupied by mr william tomlinson he selected locations for buildings for the diocesan training school and a site for a chapel in the evening he erected a rustic cross about twelve feet in height upon the latter site which is the exact spot whereon now stands the oratory of st luke's hall gathered around the cross with the bishop and his companions were members of mr tomlinson's household a few mountaineers and some negro workmen the nicene creed was recited and the bishop knelt down and prayed god to give to those who were then engaging in a great enterprise grace both to perceive and know what things they ought to do and strength faithfully to fulfil the same the woods rang with the strains of a gloria in excelsis it was a scene worthy of association with those of the sixteenth century where discoverers and conquistadores preempted new lands by planting a cross and claiming the territory for their king and for the church thus was the domain at sumwani reclaimed for the king of kings and for the cause of christian education the site selected for the university in antebellum times was ideal for the purpose to which it was consecrated sawanee was on a spur of the cumberland mountains a plateau some two thousand feet above the level of the sea and about one thousand feet above the surrounding valleys the scenery is of unparalleled grandeur with many points of picturesque beauty primeval forests cliffs ravines and caves immediately at hand the climate is of such a character as to exempt the residents from malarial or pulmonary troubles it is especially adapted to the requirements of a school whose terms were to be held in the summer months and with midwinter vacations to suit the convenience of a southern population whose home life was more or less likely to be broken up in the summer the conception of a grand landed domain as an important feature in the planning and planting of an institution of learning was at that time quite unusual in america colleges and universities had previously looked to populous centres and environment to build them up and sustain them the university of the south deliberately chose to go out into the wilderness and create therein its own environment the site had been carefully studied by bishop hopkins who was an accomplished architect and landscape gardener and who had it mapped and had a tentative scheme of buildings designed for it upon the models of the english universities 
in furtherance of the enterprise bishop quintard accepted the tender of a lease for educational purposes of a school property in winchester twelve miles from sewanee at the foot of the mountains and there established sewanee college with major fairbanks as president of the board of trustees and with rev f l knight d d and a competent faculty in charge although this collegiate institute was formally opened and remained in operation for a time the bishop found it too expensive for him to maintain and so as the university developed he gave up the lease of the winchester property and concentrated his efforts upon the work at sewanee he made immediate efforts to collect funds to advance the work of building up the diocesan training school he recorded with deep gratitude the gift of a thousand dollars and of a handsome communion service from mrs barnum of baltimore the following may out of funds thus early collected a building was erected and called oti hall that summer the bishop and major fairbanks erected residences near oti hall and removed their families to sewanee the episcopal residence at sewanee was at first a log dwelling-house this was improved and added to until it assumed the character of what the bishop was wont to call the cucumber vine style of architecture and acquired the name of fulford hall in commemoration of the canadian metropolitan who had participated in the bishop's consecration memphis had been made the residence of bishop oti in the latter part of his episcopate and as the work at sewanee increased and that place became widely known and its importance recognized the memphians regarded it with some jealousy and sought to secure the person of the bishop by providing a residence for him in that city on the western borders of the diocese the bishop accordingly adopted memphis as his winter residence but his work at sewanee was too dear to his heart to permit his abandoning his home there as much as a bishop could be said to have a home anywhere and so while memphis became officially the ecclesiastical capital of his diocese he strove earnestly to make sewanee the scholastic and to some extent the ecclesiastical capital of all the southern dioceses and in great measure he succeeded it would be impossible to estimate the value of the bishops thus fixing his residence at sewanee not only to the work of building up the university but in its influence upon the cause of christian education for the university of the south has been built up upon men not upon things the faith the enthusiasm and the personal magnetism of bishop quintard drew around him at sewanee a band of high-minded and consecrated clergymen and laymen of fine scholarship and noble aims thus was realized the idea of bishop polk who when on one occasion he was asked in reference to the apparently isolated location of the university where will you get your society replied we will make it and not only so but we will surround our university with such a society as is nowhere else possible in this land the tone the temper the social and religious atmosphere of sewanee came from bishop quintard more than from any one else for the first twenty years of the university's existence at least it could almost be said that bishop quintard was sewanee and that sewanee was bishop quintard and throughout that period fulford hall was the visible centre of sewanee life 
into it the bishop gathered the spoilia of his travels rich art treasures rare and valuable books and autographs and made it a most interesting place to visit when the building was destroyed by fire in june eighteen eighty nine most of its interior attractions were saved from the flames through the energetic efforts of the students of the university and the elegant building which replaced it retains the name of fulford hall therein the bishop passed the last years of his life it is still the residence of the vice-chancellor of the university bishop elliot of georgia the senior bishop of the southern dioceses was likewise deeply interested in the university and was ex officio chancellor at the suggestion of bishop quintard he called a meeting of the board of trustees to be held at university place in october eighteen sixty six it was attended by the bishops of georgia mississippi arkansas and tennessee respectively together with several clerical and lay members of the board who unanimously resolved that the work of establishing the university be prosecuted bishop quintard was appointed a commissioner to solicit funds for the erection of plain but substantial buildings in order that the university might begin its work at the earliest possible date he accordingly made a trip to new orleans where he held services in all the churches and made an earnest appeal at every service to the church people of that city to carry on the work in which the first bishop of louisiana had been so deeply interested he was able to report the results of his visit to new orleans at a meeting of the board of trustees held at a private residence in montgomery alabama on february eighteen sixty seven bishop elliot had died in december eighteen sixty six and bishop green of mississippi had succeeded him in the chancellorship of the university bishop quintard's report to the board was of such a character that the board proceeded to the reorganization of the university forthwith the bishop offered oti hall at sewanee which was capable of accommodating a goodly number of students as part of the property of the university on condition that the board adopt the diocesan training school for which the building had been intended as the theological department of the university and the offer was accepted the actual establishment of the theological department was delayed however for nearly ten years and until more favourable opportunities offered the deliberations of the board upon the question of the most feasible plan for beginning work resulted in the recommendation that a vice-chancellor be elected and that this officer be charged with the duty of soliciting subscriptions and otherwise advancing the interests of the university bishop quintard was thereupon elected vice-chancellor and major fairbanks was appointed commissioner of lands and buildings to act as general agent and business manager to be associated with the bishop in the work of soliciting subscriptions to reside at the university site and under the direction of the executive committee to have charge of all business affairs of the university no more efficient officers could have been selected and with this action of the board the university scheme might be said to have been fairly launched of the trials and antagonisms the bishop was to meet with in his work there is no need to speak now it was no easy matter to solicit funds for this project at that time not only had the south been impoverished by the war but the southern people had not become fully acquainted with the changed condition of their affairs and did not fully appreciate the value of a plan to educate their sons and make the best citizens of them 
in june eighteen sixty seven at the request of the trustees the bishop made an attempt to raise funds for the erection of additional buildings confining his efforts to the state and diocese of georgia early in august the cornerstone of st augustine's chapel was laid by bishop green in the presence of a concourse of clergy and laity the occasion was signalized by a dignity of ceremonial befitting the prospective magnitude of the undertaking the function began with a celebration of the holy communion in the portion of Oti hall then used as a chapel the bishops and clergy moved in solemn procession to the spot selected the doctors wore hoods expressive of their degrees a scholastic as well as an ecclesiastical tone was thereby given to the function and from that time forward the university of the south conformed in the details of its regulations to the models set by the english universities in eighteen seventy one the university then in full working order adopted the cap and gown for the distinctive uniform of its advanced students divided the academic department into juniors and gownsmen and provided rich robes for the chancellor and vice-chancellor in these respects it was quite in advance of other institutions of learning in america though its customs have since grown in favor with other and older universities still it was possible for some one who attended the commencement in eighteen ninety one to write probably nowhere else in america is there any such formal and stately collegiate ceremony as at sewanee in eighteen sixty seven the bishop being in england he consented at the earnest solicitation of his friends to spend the winter there and to do what he could to promote the cause of the university the influential friends he made in england took up with enthusiasm a movement which resulted in such liberal offerings that the university was enabled to start afresh with most encouraging prospects of final and complete success the rev frederick w tremlett of st peter's church belsize park london inaugurated the movement and a committee was appointed which issued a circular inviting subscriptions the committee consisted of the archbishop of york the earl of carnarvon viscount clanborne afterwards lord salisbury the lord bishop of oxford earl nelson lord john manners and the right rev w e gladstone and others the archbishop of canterbury the most reverend campbell tate in a letter expressed his deepest interest in the project and subscribed twenty-five pounds toward it the archbishop of york and bishops of the anglican communion from all parts of her majesty's realms expressed a like sympathy among the subscribers were names of great distinction both in state and church considerably more than ten thousand dollars was thereby raised and with this sum the bishop returned to america much-needed buildings were erected in sewanee and on the eighteenth of september eighteen sixty eight as vice-chancellor the bishop formally opened the junior department of the university of the south thus after twelve years of labor and anxiety of disappointment and sorrow after the death of bishops polk Oti, elliot rutledge and cobbs all of them actively interested in the project for building a church university of the first class in the south that would in some degree do for our country what the universities of oxford and cambridge have so well done for england and the civilized world the university of the south began its work for god and our land 
that day has since been annually observed at sewanee as foundation day among the men who were early attracted to the work at sewanee were brigadier general josiah gorgas who had been head of the confederate ordnance department and became at first headmaster of the junior academic department of the university and was afterward made vice-chancellor brigadier general f a shoop who was now the rev professor shoop acting chaplain and professor of mathematics general e kirby smith and colonel f t sevier the bishop's old friend of the first tennessee regiment who became commandant of cadets and headmaster of the grammar school for it was but natural that the military feature of the school should commend itself to men who had just passed through war and had seen the benefit of military discipline upon life and character these men felt that a higher duty awaited them at the close of the war than trying to make money that the training of the youths of the land as christian citizens was of paramount importance and they gave themselves up to that educational work the splendid sacrifice of these and others set high the standard of the university and invested it with a poetic beauty and a sacredness that dwells there still nowhere in the south said charles dudley warner in eighteen eighty nine and i might say nowhere in the republic have i found anything so hopeful as the university of the south of the wisdom of founding this university said a visitor who spent the summer of eighteen seventy eight at sewanee no one would question after a single visit here its highest development is yet to be obtained its present standard is equal to the best but its aims are to reach the highest and best culture obtainable it is slowly and surely reaching forward and satisfactorily filling the measure of its allotted work it is difficult to explain to one who has had no opportunity for a personal observation how many excellent formative influences are here combined everything here promotes a feeling of reverence and respect for sacred things the presence and influence of men of high standard in church and state whose example is potent for good the book of nature is always open here to the investigations of the geologist the botanist and the student of natural history the physical education goes on with that of the intellect an invigorating atmosphere strengthens the capacity the various gymnastic and military exercises give a clear complexion an elastic step and a noble carriage and then mind and body acting in healthy unison fill out the measure of a well-rounded man bishop quintard's ideals regarding the university to the upholding of which he was giving the most valuable years of his life were shadowed forth in his words to the convention of his diocese in eighteen seventy four in referring to the meeting of the board of trustees which he had attended the previous year it is the aim and purpose of any true system of education to draw out to strengthen and then to exhibit in active working certain powers which exist in man planted indeed by god but latent in man until they shall have been so drawn out education is not the filling of a mind with so much knowledge though of course it includes the imparting of knowledge as education is the drawing out of the dormant powers of the whole man it must in its highest sense be commensurate with the whole man 
the body must be trained by healthful exercise the mind or thinking power must be drawn out and strengthened and finally a heart must be sanctified and a will subdued it is the aim and object of the university of the south to give to its students every advantage physical mental and moral to develop a harmonious and symmetrical character to fit and prepare men for every vocation in the life that now is where we are strangers and sojourners and to teach all those things which a christian ought to know and believe to his soul's health the momentous and concerning truth that intellectual power unrestrained and unregulated by sound moral and religious principle tends only to mischief and misery in our race has been in the educational systems of the age almost overlooked the heroic struggle the university was making began to attract admiring attention gifts began to flow into it small as compared with those that have been given to the cause of education in these later days but large when the impoverished condition of the south from which many of them came is taken into consideration and not only was the continued existence of the university guaranteed but its ultimate success was assured the responsibility and work devolving upon the vice-chancellor of a university even in its nascent stages were too great a burden when added to the cares of a large and exacting diocese and bishop quintard resigned the office of vice-chancellor in eighteen sixty eight in order that some one else might be elected to fill that position an effort to secure the valuable services of general robert e lee for the university resulted in the following letter washington college lexington virginia twenty three september eighteen sixty eight right reverend and dear sir absence from lexington has prevented me until to-day from replying to your kind interesting letter of the twentieth of august last i have followed with deep interest the progress of the university of the south from its origin and my wishes for its success have been as earnest as my veneration for its founders and respect for its object have been sincere its prosperity will always be to me a source of pleasure and i trust that in the providence of god its career may be one of eminent benefit to our country that it has survived the adverse circumstances with which it has been surrounded and has surmounted the difficulties with which it has had to contend is cause of great rejoicing to me and i am glad to learn that it has so fair a prospect of advancement and usefulness i need not then assure you that i feel highly honoured that the board of trustees has thought of me for the office of vice-chancellor and i beg that you will present to them my fervent thanks for their favourable consideration they have however been misinformed as to my feelings concerning my present position and even were they as represented i could not now resign it with propriety unless i saw it would be for the benefit of the college i must therefore respectfully decline your proposition and ask you to accept my grateful thanks for the frank and courteous manner in which it has been tendered as well as for the considerate measures you proposed to promote my convenience and comfort i am with great respect and highest regard your friend and obedient servant r e lee to right rev w m green d d chancellor of university of the south 
commodore matthew fontaine maury was then elected by the board and when commodore maury declined the bishop withdrew his resignation and continued his work in various parts of the south in the north and in england he represented the needs of the university a trip made to new orleans and galveston in 1870 was in some respects characteristic of the bishop's appeals and of the breadth of scope of the university as presented by him in galveston the first person who responded to his appeal was a hebrew one of the most active helpers was a presbyterian and these two with a churchman composed a committee to work for the university of the south in 1871, the academic department was formally organized by the election of five professors. In 1872, the bishop again resigned the vice-chancellorship, and General Gorgas was elected to succeed him. General Gorgas was in time succeeded by the Reverend Dr. Telfair Hudson, and he in turn by the Reverend Dr. Thomas F. Gaylor in eighteen ninety three the last named was succeeded by bishop quintard's son-in-law dr b lawton wiggins an alumnus of the university of the south and the preserver of what his father-in-law had founded but the bishop's interest in the university was not relaxed wherever he went he represented the needs of the university as well as those of his diocese in eighteen seventy six he attended a matinee at the london residence of lord shrewsbury cards of invitation had been issued by the earl and countess of shrewsbury and about three hundred guests assembled the lord bishop of winchester presided at this meeting which was organized in the interests of the university of the south not so much to collect money for the university as to make known in england the work the university was doing the church in scotland was represented by the primus and by the bishop of edinburgh the irish church by the bishop of derry and rapeau and by the bishop of moray and ross a large number of prominent clergymen were present addresses were made by the bishops by lord shrewsbury a j beersford hope m p and others in eighteen eighty seven bishop green died and was succeeded in the chancellorship by bishop gregg of texas when the latter died in eighteen ninety three his logical successor was bishop quintard who however felt unfitted for the office by reason of his infirmity of deafness which had come to him in his later years he accordingly stood aside and favored the election of the right reverend dr dudley bishop of kentucky bishop quintard had seen buildings of permanent character grow up upon the university domain built of sewanee sandstone unsurpassed either in quality or appearance as a building material he had seen the theological department opened in eighteen seventy eight the medical department opened in eighteen ninety two and the law department in eighteen ninety three he had acted as consecrator at the elevation of an alumnus of the university to the episcopate of louisiana he had consecrated as his own coadjutor one whose life had been closely connected with sewanee and the university he had ordained to the priesthood many alumni he had seen degrees confirmed upon many men who were to go out into the world and carry the influence of the noble work the bishop himself had done so much toward establishing and in many ways he had seen in the church university whose broad foundations had been wisely laid by godly men who inaugurated the enterprise a visible advance made toward the ideal set for it by its founders and refounder
footnote a five other alumni have been elevated to the episcopate since the bishop's death the last convention at which the bishop presided was held in sewanee in eighteen ninety seven the bishop shortly afterward went to england to be present at the lambeth conference held that year he returned to sewanee somewhat refreshed in body and resumed the work of his diocese but further rest became necessary and he went to darien georgia in search thereof there the end came on the fifteenth of february eighteen ninety eight his body was brought back to Sewanee, lay for a time in the O.T. Memorial Church, watched by the clergy and the sisters of St. Mary, and was thence taken to St. Augustine's Chapel, where the service was said over it by the bishops in attendance. The university was not in session at the time, but the university town was filled with sorrowing friends, representing the army of the late Confederate States, the clergy and laity of the diocese, the house of bishops, and the alumni of the university the coadjutor bishop of tennessee now bishop quintard's successor committed his body to the ground in the sewanee cemetery a movement was begun soon after the bishop's death to endow a professorship in the theological department of the university as a memorial of him very fittingly the new grammar school dormitory erected on the university domain in nineteen o one was named the quintard memorial but the greatest monument and the most lasting one to the second bishop of tennessee is and will be the university which he refounded and did much to build up end of chapter sixteen end of dr quintard chaplain c s a and second bishop of tennessee by charles todd quintard